Good morning, everybody. Yeah, we got up to Ahmed Bez. Today we're on Kufyud Ahmed Bez. We're going to learn Bez Hashem Daf Kufyud Aleph. We just might finish the penultimate parak in Bavakama and start the tenth and Hagozal Kama, the uh, last parak of Masechet Bavakama. If all goes well, but we are fourteen lines down on Kufyud, but not on Ahmed Aleph, but Ahmed Bez. So there's that glass half full, Andrew. Kufyud Ahmed Bez, fourteen lines down, the two dots, Leila Nishmas. Maoz and Rabbi Malinowitz and all the soldiers and Bezat Hashem in the Schuss, we'll have Yeshua's fall of Klal Yisrael. Bye, Rava. So Rava asked the following question. Guys, how do you atone for a crime when the victim is dead with no Yershim, right? Somebody stole from somebody. That's the point of Gezel Hager. Okay, let's get back into it. You ready, Andrew? Welcome. Good to have the band back together. Phil, missed you terribly. Um, it's like this. And Barry, those two footsteps in the sand, you know how it goes. That was you, carrying all of us. So, it's like this. Gezel Hager. So you say, like, Gezel Hager, what a far out case. Like, who cares about Gezel Hager? How often does that happen? The point is, it's an isolated case where you stole from somebody who happens to be, because he's a Ger, doesn't have anybody in the family tree and didn't have any kids. And then he died. So you stole from somebody, you got this thing, and you want to do tshuva, but you have nobody to return it to. That's the isolated point of Gezel Aguer. What do you do with such a thing? Amazingly, you give it to the Kohanim. How do I know? The Torah says it black and white. We read the Pesukim. Okay, so that's an amazing thing. Okay, so now, says uh, he wants to know the following case. Kohanim begezel Aguer, Yorshim Havu, or Mekabim Matanasavu. Right? Rava is... Giving sheer, and he's breaking it down like a fraction, a little abstract question. Are the Kohanim that acquire that money that when you returned it, um, do they, is it, like, is it like they acquired it by, right, um, inheritance? Or did they get it as a gift? Well, what do you mean? They get the money. What does it mean, do they get it as inheritance, as a gift? So the way I would say it is almost like, does it go naturally, organically down like an inheritance, like they're entitled to it? Or do they have to be gifted? What would be the difference? So that's what the Gemara asks. The Mayan Afkamina, what would be the difference? The following. So wild case, right? So somebody steals chametz from a ger. You steal sourdough from the ger. And then, the, and then the, at one point the ger dies, right? And... The and Pesach passes, right? He, he steals it before Pesach, now Pesach passed. It's now what? It's now uh, worthless, this bread, because you're not allowed to, it's also Bahana, you're not allowed to use it. So says the Gemara, if you're going to say that the Kohanim are inheriting it, this is what they inherited. When you are an heir, you don't have a choice over what you inherit. Whatever you inherit, that's what you get. Right? There's no need for you to get any value. However, if you're going to say that the Khanim, um are getting it and they need to be recipient of a gift, so let's uh, translate. It's what the Torah gave, the Torah insisted that they get a matana, a gift, the Kohanim. And here you did not give anything, because after all, is the Afar Alma. It's like what? The earth, it's worthless, like, like dirt. Okay, the Afar And therefore, the only way for this 
person who stole from the ger and then the ger died and then Pesach passed or Pesach passed and the ger died, uh, whichever order, the only way for him to return it would be to what? He would have to take money out of, the, of his own pocket and pay the Kohanim because again, the halacha is that in the absence of anybody else to give it to, you give it to the Kohanim. So if it's supposed to be a gift, then take the monetary value of what this sourdough was worth before Pesach, and that's what you should gift the Kohanim, because if it's not valuable, what kind of gift is it? This is the, right, this is the abstract analysis of this payment. Says the Gemara, of Zeir, Bayachi, of Zeir said, says, wait a minute. Is that, the, is that what you want to say? You want to say that there's a difference between a gift and inheritance in terms of what you're giving the Kohanim? And if it's a gift, that, that you would have to pay the value by Chamesh Shavala Pesach? Maybe not. We don't have really a question, even if it's Mekabli Matana. It's not really, your Nafkamina doesn't hold water. Why? It is true that the Torah says that you have to give the Kohanim a gift. Right? But. When the gift, what, what's the case of the, right, right, the, the, the actual, the gift, right? All they said is to give a gift. Uh, however, that's still not a question. Why? Because even though, what does that mean? It means that uh, as Rush, uh, I'm not sure if Rush, yeah, Rashi, Rav's Eri, Barehen Lefanehen. In other words, the question is like this. It is true that if it's Chametz Shavar Lava Pesach, it's not worth anything. But who said the Matana has to be worth something? In other words, the Torah only asked to give a gift or to give it as an inheritance to Kohanim. But the Torah never demanded it had to be worth something. So, right? so the question assumed that if it's a gift, if it's an inheritance, it doesn't have to be worth anything. If it's a gift, it does. Rav Zaira didn't see it that way. He thought that even if it's a gift or if it's an inheritance, whatever you have, that's what the Torah demanded you to give. And if it happens to be worthless, the Torah didn't say that it mattered whether it was worth something or not. So therefore, in this way, it would not matter um, whether it's valuable or not. The case of Chamesh Shavuot of Pesach is not a distinction as to, does not have a distinction as to whether you inherited it or gifted it. Rather, Eloki coming by line, what would be the question with regards to a gift with uh, an inheritance in the following case? The following case. Ah, the case of Meiser Behema. You know, Meiser Behema is an obligation uh, that someone has, right? If somebody owns cattle, I do remember there's a story, they do it if, if there are some Jewish cattle owners, not that many. But they do exist in Texas and elsewhere. And they have to do Meiser Behema, right? Where you put them through the pen and every 10th one you mark off and you have to give that to uh, those go to the Kohanim, to the base of Mikdash. How do you do it now? What do you do? There's some sort of um, like Mechiras Chametz that goes on, a type of way of getting around it if that's what you need to do. Be that as it may, Right, what, what do you do? It's only an obligation on the cattle owner, right? Not, but not uh, an inheritor, or, or the inheritor rather, but not gifted. So again, if you own the cattle, then you have, then as the cattle are born, then you have to take off Meiser Behema. If you are, right, inherit the ranch, then you also have the Chiv uh, of Meiser Behema. But if you get gifted by somebody 100 cattle, you don't have to take off Meiser Behema on that. 
Okay, so there's a difference between an inheritance and a gift when it comes to whether you have to take off my my Behema. For inheritance you do, for a gift you do not. Oh. So that, says Rabbi Zaira, is the distinction as follows. Naflulo Eser Behemos Begezel Hager. Oh. So now somebody stole Behemos from the Ger, and now they have to return the Behemos. So watch this. I'll say it outside first. If giving it to the Kohanim, it's considered like they inherited it, so then they would have to take off Meiser Behema. Because a person who inherits Behemas from his dad in the ranch has to take it off. And if it's like a gift, so then you don't have to take off Meiser Behema because you don't have to take off Meiser Behema on a gift. Okay? So let's read it inside. So, right? So now, the, it, it, it's a weird kind of inheritance, obviously, because it's going through the ger that died to the thief back to the Kohanim. But if it's like an inheritance, so then you still would have to take off Meiser Behema, right? So, right? So maybe they would be like Yorshim the Kohanim, in which case we said in a Mishnah, right, in Bechoros, you have to look over there. That in fact, if they acquired it, if the Kohanim acquired it, but Fisas Habayis, right, as like acquiring their state, then indeed they are Chayav and Meisr Behema, Odilma Mekavlim Matanasavu. Or if you're going to say, like we said, that the Kohanim, when they receive this money of the Gezel Ager, they're like receivers of gifts, Utnan, then you learn elsewhere in that same area in Bechoros, in the Mishnah, Halokeach, Vanitan Lobe Matana, Potter Meisr Behema. That if a person is buying, uh, these animals or are getting it as a gift, they do not have to take Meiser Behema. My. So, do, does a coin in this case have to take off Meiser Behema or not? So, let's see. Says the Gemara. Tashma. I'm going to take a page out of Rabari Leibowitz, the great Dafyomi master. And I'm not going to go through each of the 24. Uh, I'm going to add a page out of the Gemara. We're not going to go through all the Matnos Kahuna, but you will see uh, soon enough. Which is considered whether this is considered a matana or inheritance as follows. So we know that there's something called 24 different kinds of um, scenarios where a coin gets gifts, right? That the Torah says, gift this to Aaron and his sons. And all of them are given in a, in a, in a big pasuk, in a big series of psukim, right? This is all in Bamidbar Yudches, uh, pasuk Ches through Yudtes. It says all the gifts, and it says, here are all the gifts you're going to give to the Kohanim in general. And then it goes through specifically all the gifts. And then at the end, it has another, right? And then in the end, it has another like general statement, and these will be, right, all the gifts that I've given for you, right? Because you're the Kohanim and you're the best and etc. So we have over here a Klal, Uprat, Klal, and then also it happens to be in that context that it also mentions the bris melach, the salt covenant with those kohanim. Okay, because salt prevents meat from, stoil, uh, from spoilage and, and much of that, of these gifts are actually uh, meat, right, that you get from the karbonos. Be that as it may, says the Gemara, kol amakaimon, right, anybody who give these gifts, that's what the Pasuk is teaching you, that by giving these gifts, you uphold the idea of the klal, klal, right, as described in those psukim, the generalization, and then the specific gifts and the generalization, and the brit melach. 
So there is a special, right? If you don't, if you transgress, you don't give the gifts, you've violated the idea of the which is to say, it's a very good idea to give the Kohanim their gifts, right? The Torah is emphasizing the importance of giving the Kohanim and the gifts. You say, just, you're right, just by giving these gifts, you're Makayim a lot of things the Klal, the Prat, the Klal, and the Bris Melach on top of all of it. Is there, is there a mystical uh, right, power to what we're trying to say here? Whatever it is that we're trying to say, we're definitely saying that these 24 Matnos Kahuna are important. So what are they? It doesn't go through all of them, but it says certain distinctions between them as follows. Eser Mikdash, the 10 of them, right, as Rashi says, have to be eaten in the base of Mikdash, right? Arba Yerushalayim, and there's four of them that have to be eaten in uh, they have to be eaten within the city walls of Yerushalayim, and the es of Esar and ten Begvulim usually means anywhere throughout Eretz Yisrael. Although some of these may apply um, outside um, of Eretz, uh, uh, outside of Eretz Yisrael. But let, let's but Rashi. Let's go with Rashi. But Eretz Yisrael because that's what Gvulin almost always means. Okay, and then it gets a little bit uh, an Esar bit. Uh, oh, uh, and that's that's the that's the uh, case because if you do the math, ten b'mikdash, and four in Yerushalayim, and then ten in Eretz Yisrael, that's ten, and ten and four, that's twenty-four. So those are the ten, twenty-four matnos kahuna. Okay, and then we say eser b'mikdash. Which are the ten in the base of mikdash? So they're karbanos chatas behema. So there you go. Now you got the meat of the chatas, the chatas of and the meat of a bird chatas, the asham vadai. Right when a person has to bring a korban asham, the asham tolay. When a person has like the questionable asham, which you're not sure whether you have to uh, bring it initially, the zivchei shalmei Right, so there's the zvachim of all the korbanos that are the public korbanos, the communal ones. Velog shem and shel And again, when the mitzora, we've we learned already um, nazir, so we had a little bit of mitzora action over there. So that right oil of the mitzora is given to the Kohanim, and they have to consume that in the base of Mikdash, Umosar, Omer, and whatever remains from the Korban HaOmer, so that they will eat, right? That's brought on the second day of, Pe- of Pesach. You do burn a comment of it on the Mizbeach, but the rest of it you're going to, right? They're going to eat. And the Lechem, uh, right? The, the famous Shtei Lechem is on, um, is on Shavuos. The Lechem Aponim, is on every Shabbos, right? So they're eating those carbs. Ushayari menachos, and then whatever is left from all the karbonos menachos. So those are all eaten in the base of Mikdash by the Kohanim. And again, these are karbonos that people, individuals, or the base of Mikdash, or communal, these are all the karbonos that they're eating in the base of Mikdash, okay? The Arba be Yerushalayim. What are the four that you can eat? Uh, or, or, not just eat, but that you're get, uh, given as a gift in the actual city of Yishlaim, Habachora, that's where you bring the firstborn animals, Vabikurim, right? As we know famously, you have to bring the Bikurim to Yerushalayim. Did you know that Bechoros also have to, have to be brought to Yerushalayim? That's fascinating, right? That every firstborn, right, Bechor, right? In Bechoros it says, and in the Torah it says, that you, you have to offer it as a sacrifice, right? So 
it's but it is it brought as a carbon, but it is kachim kalim. Kachim kalim don't have to be eaten only in the base of Mikdash, but in anywhere near Shalim. And Bikurim, as we say famously, you I'll bring it to Yerushalayim. The Hamuram min Hatoida Ve'el Nazir. Those are what you separate out of the carbon toda and from the al again we, we learn Masechus Nazir, so we know that at the end of the purification process there's an ale nazir, and that is again these are kachim kalim eaten in Yushalayim. The oros kachim, right? The skins of the kachim, they have it, uh, and then that is also a gift that is kept uh, in Yerushalayim, and that is 10 in, so now we so far have 10 in the Mikdash, and 4 in Yerushalayim, and now we're going to have the 10 that are actually anywhere in Eretz Yisrael, Basar Begvulin. Okay, which are the 10 in the, in in all of Israel? As follows, Truma, so we know, right? Truma is something that applies to all of Eretz Yisrael. Truma is Meiser, right? As we've discussed many times, these are again, Matnas Kahuna. And you can give that, you don't have to give that in the base of Mikdash, necessarily. That is all over Eretz Yisrael. The Chala, right? You take off Chala in Eretz Yisrael. Voracious Hagez. Voracious Hagez is, has to do with when you're shearing the animals, right? So these are the first of the shearings. And, right, so, so again, you have to give those first to the Kohen. That wool goes to the Kohen. Um, and that could be done anywhere in, er- in Eretz Yisrael. Pidyon Aben, right? So when you have a Pidyon Aben, sometimes we have that even outside of Eretz Yisrael, as you might recall. But Pidyon Aben, again, you know the Chamesh slime that's given to the Kohen. It does not have to happen in the basement of the Shirsha line. But anywhere in Gvulin, Pidyon Petach Hamor, we've already discussed that with regards to the firstborn donkey as well. Usdei Achuza, that is what the, the field, the field that was ancestral, that was sold uh, by the base of Mikdash, right? So that's so when Yovel arrives, it doesn't go back to the original Quran. This is a, a special case, right? That if a person was Makdish, uh, his land, and then right, it's sold. It's it it does not go back to the original person goes to the Kohanim because, again, it was consecrated. So then it was meant to uh, forever be the Kohanim once it goes to Yovel. Okay, so that's called Sdei Achuza. And that would be true of any land in Eretz Yisrael. It's not just in Yerushalayim. Ustei Charamim, that's what a field is, right, um, declared Cherem also. It's a kind of, uh, you know, Kol Charamos Vekonamos, a person, um, you know, designates it, again, for the for the Kohanim, that would happen anywhere in Eretz Yisrael. The Gezel Hager. Whew. We went through the whole list of the 24. Finally, at the very end, in Eretz Yisrael, and again, is, is, does this only apply to Eretz Yisrael or to all of Eretz Yisrael or to all the lands? But the 24th of the 24 Matnos Kahuna mentioned over, over here is the Gezel Hager. Okay, so what's the point? That again, the Gezel Hager would go back to the Kohanim anywhere in Eretz Yisrael. But the real point is that these are called what? Matnos kahuna. Which is to say, it's a matana. That was Rava's original question. Is it an inheritance or is it a matana? Says the Gemara, the karimiyas matana. It calls it one of the matnos kahuna. Therefore, it should be treated as a matana. And Andrew, I don't need to remind you that if it's a matana, then you have to treat it as such. Right? So if it's a matana, so for example, if that matana... I, I suppose was a bechor, right? So then they don't have to bring meiser bechor on it, right? You don't have to bring the meiser bechor on it if it's given in that context as a matana. But gezel is considered a matana, not a yerusha. Okay, 
We see that they are considered uh, recipients of gift, and that would whatever nafkaminas therein. And that's what we learn. So Rava asked a question, and we answered Rava's question. Fine. So now we're in two dots, eight lines up. And Nasan Akesif Lanche Mishmar. What did we say in the Mishnah? An amazing halacha. That if you gave if the person gave the money to the Anshe Mishmar, uh, let's let, let's go through it, let's go through it again. That when a person has to give, so break it down again. What was the case, Phil? Somebody stole money from a gear, and it's an isolated case where the gear is doesn't have any heirs, and the gear dies. He wants to do tshuva, and he wants to give it back. So there's a process. He gives back. Let's say it was gezel, because we're talking parakah gozel still. So gezel, you don't pay back kefal, you pay back chomesh, and you bring a korban asham. Okay, so he brings the extra fifth and a korban asham. That has to be done now. That has to be done in a specific order. That was what our Mishnah taught us. Andrew, you have to pay back the kosher money first, and then you bring the korban. Now, there were mishmaros, right? There were kohanim on duty, different families on duty each time. Yehoyariv was the first, and then uh, Yedayah was after him, okay? So, if you did it out of order, you have a problem, which is to say, if you gave the korban to the first mishmar, chronologically, and then gave the money to the second mishmar, you've done it out of order. If the first Mishmar brought the korban before the money was given to the Kohanim, you'd have to bring another korban, okay? Because that is out of order, okay? So now, um, so what would happen if he gave the money? So, 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 but this particular question is, what if you did it in the right way? What if you gave the money first and then you gave the Ashram? So you gave the money to the correct, the earlier Mishmar, that's great. And then gave the korban asham to the second mishmar. That would be good. That's a proper order. But the, the mishnah discusses the case where he gave the money, so he did the right thing. But then he died before he had an opportunity to bring the second asham. Would you bring the give the money back to the yorshim of the thief that was doing tshuva? Would you give that money back? Because after all, they know that had he known that he was never going to live to bring the Korban Asham, maybe he wouldn't have given the money in the first place. Because after all, why did he give the money? Because it was part of his tshuva process. Well, maybe the giving the money in the absence of the Korban Asham doesn't accomplish anything. In other words, if you have to, in order to get the tshuva, both give the money and bring the Korban, so then uh, if he could do both, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to, to do tshuva. But if he could only do one and he knew he was going to die before he did the other, if the money in its own right is worthless without the ashram, then better to just save the money, right? Like do tshuva in his heart, you know what I mean? But the, the procedural part of giving the money and the ashram would be worthless without both. So says the Gemara, the fact that we don't take the money out, right, right, that you can't take the money back from the Kohanim, even when you didn't give, give, bring the asham, tells you something. This is Abayah's observation as follows. So now I have to give that all that background to explain Abayah's point. Abayah's point is the fact that we can't get the money back from the Kohanim once we've given it, even if he dies before he brings the asham, teaches you that giving the money does accomplish something, at least partial. That's what it means. Uh, so... You, you can't. You can't do a partial. You can't say 
I'm sorry I did this, but I'm not really sorry. <laughs> so Barry says, isn't there such a thing that when you, that's a good question, Barry. He's saying, isn't there such a thing that you can't do a partial uh, tshuva, right? If you wronged somebody, you can't say sorry, not sorry. Or like you can't say, it's like when somebody apologizes and say, I'm really sorry that you feel the way that you do. That's not a real apology, Phil. It's like, you say, you're supposed to be sorry for the actual thing that you did, not for the way you made the person feel. You have to take accountability. But that's not exactly this, right? Because here, the, right, it's a fully sincere repentance. It's just the procedure was not completed. So your question stands as a good question. Is it considered fully, fully, um, uh, if it's not fully accomplished, then has he accomplished anything at all? So let's see inside how it works, because Abaya assumes that the fact that we don't bring the, the money back means that a partial kesef does accomplish. But again, it could be that if you're, in other words, so to, just to answer your question, Barry, it could be that you're right, that if a person is partially sincere, that the tshuva would be worthless. But what if the person was fully sincere, was intending fully to give both? In fact, he did give both. He gave his money to the first Mishmar, as he should, and then gave his korban already to the second Mishmar, as he should. So the, the, the sincerity of his intentions was unquestioned, right? It was complete. It's just that he died before everything was able to be brought. So the sincerity and the completeness of his tshuva was not in question. The question is, procedurally, was it accomplished? Why do we think that it was? Because the Kohanim aren't entitled to give back the money. And says the says Because if the money was not in its right, in its own right, somehow machaper, then probably we would bring it back to the Yershin. Why? Because my time, what's the reason? I died to the Right, because he didn't give it to the Kohanim. Had he known that it wasn't going to give him any kapara, he wouldn't have done it. Says the Gemara, But if that argument is correct, then then, then it would be like a, um, a slippery slope. Then everything would have this kind of halacha. Let's say a person gives a, a chatas and the owner of the chatas died. It should go back to become chulin, right? A person designates a korban as a chatas and then dies. So maybe the animal gets deconsecrated. And we know that, why? Had he known that he was going to die before he was able to bring the korban chatas, he wouldn't have even bothered being Makadish's animal. He would have kept it in the family. We know that that certainly doesn't work that way, right? Once you're Makadish something, that, that's, there's no backseas on that. Says the Gemara, no. We actually know what the halacha is by a chatas that is designated and then the owner dies. We actually have a halacha le Moshe mi Sinai in an oral tradition, that's what hechaz ha mean, that you actually have to kill it. Okay, so that's, uh, that's a big deal. So in other words, but it's a big deal, but even though conceptually, maybe there would be backseas, it happens to be that the halachal Moshe Messina is not. So that's why Chatos is an outlier. Okay, there's another outlier. So it's the Gemara. Maybe forget about a Chatos. How about a Korban Asham? When the owner dies, again, the animal maybe should revert because he didn't um, designate it for that reason. So it's the Gemara. No. Asham nami roa. We have an actual case by an asham also. By a chatas, you kill the animal. By an asham, you lay it out to pasture. That's what roa means. You lay it out to pasture and, and you let it graze until it develops a womb and then you're poda it. So, but those are, uh, conceptually could be that it would revert back to chulun, but it doesn't because of the fact that 
Um, it doesn't because of the fact that the Torah, specifically in the oral tradition, Hechos HaGemir, teaches you that. Okay? So, another case. So again, what are we doing, Phil? We're going through examples where you did something and it didn't go to fruition and you say, you know what? Had I known it wouldn't go to fruition, I wouldn't have done it in the first place. So what do you have? A woman who marries a, a dude and then that dude dies childless, Rahman al-Atzlan, and now his brother is filled with shechin. And she's like, ew. Maybe she should be able to get out of the whole situation without any chalitza. Because she would never marry the guy had she known that she'd end up falling to him to chalitza. Right? And it undoes the initial kiddushin to the brother. Right? Maybe that's what it happens. There's a little discussion in the Rishonim what the mechanics that would be. Be that as it may, says the Gemara, as you find the Rav, which Andrew's very excited about. She marry anyone because of the super uh, women's lib idea of Reish Lakish. That's very famous. Reish Lakish, Reish Lakish, of Tandum, of Lakish famously said, "Women would rather marry anyone than just sit alone." Right? Tandu um, better to live together, right, than to live alone. She'd uh, never agree to be single even if the consequence was to marry. Now, again, it, I don't know if that would apply to an actual mukashchin, but a brother of a mukashchin, certainly yes. You know, so not everybody has perfect yichus, okay? Uh, not, not everybody is the recipients of the generational award in Shara Zion. Am I right, Andrew? Okay, so three lines down, two dots. Nasan es hakesif yarev. Okay, so now we talked about yarev, as we said, was the first, uh, was the first of the mishmaros, Okay. And then Yadaya was after that. Okay, so we said it has to be in the in the right in the right order. Now the two uh, the two houses have to handle it uh, in certain ways if the carbon ashram is still there. So let's read the, the details in the Gemara as follows: Tanur Baran Nasan Ashram Leo Yoyarev. So again, you brought you did it out of order. You brought the carbon to the first right. So we already said the money has to go in first, and then the carbon. But here you did the wrong thing. You gave the carbon to the First Mishmar, V'chesef le'yadah. And then the money to the second one, out of order. So what should we do? Yachzer kesef etzel ashram divar of Yehuda. There's an actual machlokas in the Bryser. Yehuda says, okay, we know it's out of order, so the money from the, that, that was given to the second Mishmar, they should give it to the first Mishmar, right? So in other words, the second Mishmar should give the money to the first Mishmar. The money and the, and the, and the korban should be with the same Mishmar. So again, you're supposed to give the money to the first and the korban to the second, but you did the opposite, so just give the money to the first, right? In other words, the first Mishmar has the ashram, give them the money, and then they'll have the money and the ashram. That's what Rebuda says. No. That you should bring the korban to the second Mishmar, who has the money. In other words, they both agree that the money and the korban have to be by the same Mishmar. But Rabbi Yehuda, for whatever reason, says, give it all to the first. And Chachamim, for whatever reason, say, give it all to the second. The Gemara asks, Hechi dummy, what's the case? What if you said, if you did it out of order, but you did it out of order chronologically too? In other words, you waited for your, the first Mishmar to be on, on duty, and that's when you gave them the, the Korban, which was out of order. And then, later on, you gave the money. So if you did this, then you can't undo that because each one, because they were given, they were given it at the time they were given, they're to that. There's no way to like, undo that 
right? You're not going to give after the fact the, the money back to the first Mishma that's not on duty anymore. That doesn't make any sense. So Rava has to sort this out. I'm a Rava. Achamai Skinan. What be the case? That everything's being given during the time, right? Temporally, in terms of the time, everything's during the first Mishmar. So what are you doing? You're giving the money, right? The ashram you're giving to the first Mishmar. And for whatever reason, during the first Mishmar being on duty, you're giving the money to the second Mishmar. What, what would be the reason? So we said yesterday what the reason might be. Maybe it's not a lot of money. And we said yesterday that every uh, member of the Mishmar must have a substantial amount, uh, like a Shavar Pruta, and that the second Mishmar had fewer people. So, and if he didn't, um, have enough money to give a Shavapruta to each one of the first Mishmar, which was a larger Mishmar, so then he'd have to give of his own money. He'd have to give it out of his pocket. So he did, let's say, this, that was, let's assume that was the case for whatever reason. He didn't have enough money. Um, and therefore, or in other words, he didn't steal enough money, so he didn't have to return enough money. And therefore, uh, he gave it to the second Mishmar because he didn't want to give money out of his own pocket. That kind of reason. Be that as it may, he did it all during the first Mishmar. So in that case, Rabbi Yudasavar came with the lav Mishmar to Yadai. Rabbi said, since he didn't do, he did it all during the first Mishmar, and it wasn't the second Mishmar's turn, the Yadaya consinanle. We penalize the second Mishmar, right? We penalize them in saying, hey, you guys don't deserve the money because it's not even your turn. It's not your Mishmar. Give the money to the first Mishmar. That's why Rabbi Yudas says, take the money and give it to the first Mishmar. What's the rationale there, Rabbanan? Rabbanan Savi, Shalokadin, who Ovid Bnei Yoyariv, the Kibla Hashem Mikame Kesef. The Yoyariv themselves are culpable, right? So it's the Machlokas, amazing Machlokas for Yudah and Rabbanan. Who is the culpable party here in allowing it to be out of order? Rabbi Yudah says the, the, the second Mishmar is not on call, and therefore they can't accept the money. And Rabbanan hold the first Mishmar is on call, but you're not supposed to receive the carbon first. They, they know better. They know that the money has to come first. So why are they accepting the carbon in the absence of the money? And therefore, it's the first Mishmar that gets punished. We punish the first Mishmar. And we should return the money. Rather, uh, we should, he, they should wait, right? Because they know it's out of order, we're going to knas them and tell them, no, you don't get to bring this carbon. You wait until the second Mishmar who has the money and they will uh, receive the money and then bring the carbon. So now we have Tanya, Bryce, Amar Rebbe, Ladiv Rebbe Yehuda. Rebbe says, according to Rebbe Yehuda, right? So the Rebbe Yehuda is the, is the first shita. He says, Im kadmu asham acher. That according to Rebbe Yehuda, who we had just said in the case, right? He's going to say that you knas the second one and bring and give the money to the first thing, to the first Mishmar. He says that if Neyo Yarv come and they bring the Korban Asham, Yachzor Yavi Asham Acher, that they have to bring another Korban Asham. Right? So again, the Gazel has to bring another Asham, and the second Mishmar is going to offer it. And the members of Yarv, where they brought the, the Korban already, even though they offered it improperly, they could still like receive the, all the meat and all the skins from that. Says the Gemara, Am I? Why? What are they going to use it for? You, what do you mean? You could use the skins and the meat. You're not allowed to use the skins and the meat. Ashem who? It's an Ashem. Well, I, I messed it up. <laughs> what, what are you going to use the Ashem for? You can't eat the meat. Ashem who? It's a carbon puzzle where the meat can't be eaten. The answer is the skin. Amarava <laughs> la'oro. Rava has the answer. In other words, right? You can't use the meat. That's true. But what is it good for? You could still use the skin. In other words, the Yoyariv 
um, korban did not count towards this atonement. They did have to bring another korban, but the korban was brought. Nonetheless, there's two korbanas brought. So the one that was brought, right, erroneously, is a puzzle korban, uh, which meat cannot be eaten. However, skin can be used. Amazing. Now we have a brisa that's going to sound opposite. It's Tanya. I'm a Rebbe. The different Yehuda im kiim asherim yachzir asherim etzel kesef. It's the opposite of what we said before. There's a brisa where Rebbe says the opposite. It's a Rebbe Yehuda who holds that if the asherim is still alive and your yarev didn't offer it yet, right, that you're going to have to actually yachzir asherim etzel kesef means that they're going to have to give it to to the second mishmar. They're going to have to give the korban to the second mishmar who has the money. That's the opposite of what we said before. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Yehuda yachzir kesef asherim isle. Rabbi Yehuda said the opposite that you bring the right. Uh, the money to the first Mishmar who has the Korban. It says the Gemara, It's a specific case. The Brises are contradictory because they're two different cases. The case where, uh, over here, was where the week of the first watch concluded, how, and, and they still didn't demand the money from the Mishmar. And now it was the second Mishmar's turn. Okay, so now that it's the second Mishmar's turn, so then you're going to have to give the money to the Asham. And that's actually a novel, uh, a novel teaching. Why? Because Rebbe is teaching us this, this special idea that since they didn't ask for the money during the time, since the first Mishmar didn't ask for the money during the time that they were on duty, that even though normally he would say that you have to give the money to the, to the, um, Mishmar, the first Mishmar that has the Korban, if the first Mishmar that has the Korban never asked for the money, then it's as if they're mochel the money. And once they're mochel the money, then the mon- it's, as if they've, they, it's as if they were mochel it to the second Mishmar. Now the money's rightfully in the second Mishmar's possession, and then they'll have to bring the Korban to that, to that Mishmar. So now four lines up from the middle lines here. Tanya Idach, another bright. So I'm a Rebbe, Ladivrei Rebbe Yehuda, Im Kiem Asham, another bright. So where Rebbe says, according to Rebbe Yehuda, if the Asham Korban is still alive, meaning it wasn't brought yet, Yaksar Kesef Etzel Asham. So again, Yadaya must have to give it to the first, the second Mishmar has to give it to the first Mishmar. Pshita, Achisle. So says the Gemara, why do we have this extra brisa? That's what we just said. That was the Shita of Yehuda. So what are we adding? So says the Gemara, we're adding a unique case. Yeah, what if it's now up to the third Mishmar. All these Mishmaras, everything's gone, right? Everybody went home. And now you have like the third Mishmar of Kohanim, Velotavu. But nobody demanded any of the money or the carbon from each other, right? So again, he gave the Korbanos, the carbon and the money out of order. And nobody said anything. So Ma, and, and, and nobody even brought the carbon yet. It's still extant, right? The, 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 the animal's still running around. So what's going on? So you might think that they were mochil each other, and therefore, the first Mishmar should keep the Asham, and the second should keep the money once the third Mishmar, you know, takes care of everything. Kamash Malan, Darmin, and Kemdol Tavi, Lehadru Beresha. So we're going to say the following, that, that we, we're teaching you that even though they didn't, they were mochal each other, right, you revert back to the rule, which would mean that Yedaya, right, according to Rabbi Huda, at least, will have, the second Mishmar will have to release the money to the first Mishmar, since really the money was supposed to come first, and therefore we're going to do it out of order. We're going to, in other words, they all went out of, um, they already um, sort of like, the, the time already passed, but we're going to all bring it to the first Mishmar, even Yedaya is going to give it to the first Mishmar, and we're going to do it in order. First the money, 
and then the korban. So now, four lines up from the wide, two dots with the symbolic, yet daunting time of 6.13. What did the mission say? That you have to, again, you have to bring the money right before you bring the korban. Okay, so what... What are you going to do if you bring the ashram first? Says the Gemara, Minani Mili. Where do we learn that halacha? That if you bring the ashram first, it's not going to work. You have to bring it again. Amar Rava, Amar Kra. Now we're just going to go through the Pesukim. The Pesuk says, Ha'ashram amushav la'ashram la'koyim l'vad, el kipirim shi'chaper bo. That the ashram amushav means the money. Remember, that's how Rava understood what, what ashram means. Remember, there was a uh, controversy, so to speak. Did ashram mean, right, machlokas, did ashram mean the actual korban or the money? And we said, Rava says, it's the money. And he proved that it means the money. So, milvad elokipurim, it sounds like first the money, and when he gives the money, the korban is still outstanding. So that's how you know that the korban has to be brought, that the money, rather, has to be repaid for the korban's brought. As the Gemara says, miklal the kesef parasha, that's how we know that the money is first. Amar humar rabban so one of the rabbis said to Rava, elamiyata milvad olasaboker, but you know, we have the Pasuk when it says that you, that you bring the korban tamid, right, milvad, aside from the morning ola. So he applies this idea of milvad, right, to a totally different context, right, in Bamidbar, talks about the musaf offer, the karbonus musaf of Pesach. And it says the karbon tamid, right, when we, when we read all of these um, order of the karbonus. So it gets into a conversation of the korban of musaf versus the karbon tamid. What do you do first, shachris or musaf, as it were? So you do shachris first. So hachinami, we call the musaf and beresha. But if you read the Pasuk the way Rava read that Pasuk, by, if you, in other words, if you read the Pasuk by davening, so to speak, right, by the Karbanos of, of Pesach, the way Rava read the Pasuk by us, by the Korban and the returning of the money, it would come out that Musaf is before Shachris. Achinami called the Musaf and Beresha. It would sound like Musaf is before Shachris. Vehatanya, and yet we learn, what do you daven first? Shachris or Musaf? Everybody knows. How do we know that Korban Tamid of Shachar is first? Because the Torah, Torah says they should put the Ola on top of it. And the Ola means that it has to be the first, which is to say, right, that even though the Torah says that the Musaf should be aside from the Ola, it means in that case after the Ola. So, how does it mean a different thing over here with the money and the uh, in the aisle, Amarlei, Ale, Ana Me'asher Yechaper Bonafkale. That really you learned it from, not from the Psukim like Rava says. Well, Rava then says, I really learned it from Asher Yechaper Bo. Right? Because when it says later at the end that this is what's going to give him the atonement, Va'adayin Lo Kiper. It sounds like Asher Yechaper Bo, he's going, it's going to give him atonement. Not it gave him already, it's going to give him. It hasn't provided it yet. So you see, Asher Yechaper Bo in that context means that the atonement was not complete. When is the when is the atonement not yet complete? When the money was given, the atonement was not yet complete, and it is from there. The Rebbe learns again that the sequence to get atonement for this avera is to first return the money, and then, and at which point the atonement is not yet complete, and then you bring the korban and complete the atonement. So now six lines up, the two dots, nasan lo Karen, the end of the Mishnah. What if the robber gave the kohen uh, right just the karen? Right, he returned only the Karen, but not the surcharge, not the Chomesh. What did the Mishnah say? We say that that doesn't hold back, which is to say, Phil, if, you, if he gave back the principal, he can already bring the Korban. Even though he has to bring the principal and Chomesh and a Korban, once he brought back at least the principal and the money, you could already bring the Korban. That's not out of order. How do we know that? So, uh, uh, that if he brought me loss of Lovia Shamo, right? Um, 
So now we're saying like this. If he, if he gave, misappropriated Meila, right? And he gave back the principle, right? Without the Asham, Asham Velovim Elasa, Shalom Yatza, then he did not discharge his, his obligation. Talmud Lomer, Be'el Hashem Benislach Lo. Because there the Pasuk says that once you bring the Asham, it'll be forgiven. How do we know that if he brought the carbon Asham but didn't bring back the Me'ila yet, that he's not Yotze? Talmud Lomer, Be'el Hashem, Ha'asham Bechvar. Right? So you have to look at the tense of the Pasuk and you say the, the Asham is prior to bringing the, the Ale. So Yachal Kashem She'ail Ve'asham. One might have thought that just like the Ayel and the Korban which is to say they both have to be brought, you would have thought the same of the Chomesh, right? So we're trying to illustrate that maybe the Chomesh should be Me'akev, which the Mishnah says it's not. That's why the Torah has to say that you have the Isle of the Asham, and that's going to be Mislachlo. Isle of Asham Akvin Behektesh, Ve'en Chomish Me'akev. That in that context, you, you learn that it's only the Isle and the Asham together, the Me'akev, but the Chomish itself would not be. But says the Gemara, Vilamed Hektesh Mehedyot. Now we know that that's true regarding Me'ila. Now we're going back to our case, that we derive the Me'ila to a regular case of somebody robbing a commoner, Vehedyot Mehektesh, and, and, and a regular case of Hedyot from the Hektesh. Hektesh Mehedyot. Right, ma asham dahasam karen af asham dahacha karen. What we learn from hekdesh to hedyot is that it's referring only to the principle, not to the chomesh. Right, the hedyot mehekdesh ma hekdesh in chomesh meakev af hedyot nami in chomesh meakev. And we learn from hedyot from the regular case. Again, we're comparing two cases to hekdesh. Just like with the hedyot, the chomesh uh, just a bit hekdesh. It's not the chomish that's me'akev, which is to say, if you don't pay the chomish, you could still bring the next korban. That would be true even in a regular case. We finished Perak HaGozel Eitzim. Tomorrow, Be'ezrat Hashem, we'll start on Ahmed Bey's, much to um, Andrew's delight, with the new, the last Perak of uh, Babakama, HaGozel, what would they call a Kaizel Basra.